0: hey everybody uh merry christmas eve eve to you tonight i uh, bringing another video to you tonight as you can see with the title i'm talking about the wise men that brought gifts to jesus whenever he was a young lad after he had been born was, this has been a little while they didn't come to the manger um like a lot of the manger scenes we have where they have the wise men in the manger with the shepherds and all but the wise men what wasn't actually there at the manger they were there at a, at a house when jesus was um probably a couple years old or so but um i'm gonna start with reading a verse in matthew chapter 2 and the title of the night is the wise men's gifts as you can see there on on the uh and uh the, the heading of the video that um in matthew chapter 2 i'm gonna read verses 8 through 11 and this is where it speaks of the wise men. It says, and he sent them to Bethlehem and said, "Go and search diligently for the young child, and when ye have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also." When they heard the king, when they had heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Let's pray before we get started on this tonight. Lord Jesus, I thank you, God, for this, another opportunity, Lord, to get on here and teach your word, Lord Jesus, and, and God, I, I thank you for it, Lord, and I ask you, Lord Jesus, to help me speak through me as your oracle, God, give me the words to say, Lord, to, uh, to help each and every one of us in our walk with you, and Lord, I can't do this without you, Lord Jesus, and I ask you, God, to, to help me tonight, Lord Jesus, to bring this, bring this out, Lord, the way that you showed it to me, in Jesus' name I pray, amen. And what I'm teaching on tonight is the, the three gifts that the wise men brought to Jesus in Bethlehem whenever he was in the house with his mom with Mary and as you can see here it says a young he was a young child at this time he wasn't like I said it wasn't in the manger and uh, with the shepherds and all this was afterwards and the star led them to the house and when they got there they presented the gifts to him. Uh, A lot of the stories and a lot of the songs and different things speak of three that there was three of them But the Bible doesn't specify how many wise men there were that came to the house The only thing that it specifies that was there was three types of gifts It doesn't even say that there was three gifts only but given by three individuals it says the wise men plural meaning more than one and that when they presented their gifts And the gifts was of three different types it was gold frankincense and myrrh Uh, as far as the amount we we don't know um there's you know the bible doesn't specify how many actual you know of each gift there was and but what i'm speaking about tonight is the significance of these three gifts and what they stood for and what they represented um, it wasn't just the fact that, that it, it supplied them money or, you know, a way to get from Bethlehem to Egypt or the journeys and all that. It wasn't specifically for that purpose. There was also other, other, another significance involved in this. And, and if you look at the, the three different gifts, I'm going to start with the myrrh, and the myrrh. If you if you studied out, I looked it up and studied into it. And the myrrh was a gift that was that was considered to be a gift of a prophet, because for one thing, it was mixed in with the anointing oil that they would anoint the prophets with, and also that myrrh, if you if you was to taste myrrh, it had a bitter flavor to it. And a lot of times, when a prophet comes to town, they had something bitter to say or something to to say that wasn't very pleasing to the ears that. That received it at that time because a lot of times the prophets in the, in the Old Testament and the Bible had things to say that that was uh, meaning bad things were coming your way if you didn't straighten up and do what you're supposed to or judgment was coming to your house or whatever whatever the case may be but myrrh was also used at Jesus's death whenever he died Joseph of Arimathea which I'm going to get into the verses here in a little bit about that, but Joseph of Arimathea and um, another gentleman, which I'll get to his name in a little bit, they used myrrh mixed with aloe to anoint Jesus' body after he was taken down off the cross. And the, um, so I'm going to get to, the, to that here shortly, but if you turn to John chapter 19, matter of fact, that's where that is spoken about. John chapter 19 verses 38 through 40 it says and there came also Nicodemus which at the first came to Jesus by night and brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes about a hundred pound weight then took they the body of Jesus and wound it in linen clothes with spite with the spices as the manner of the Jews is to bury. So that was a, a that was a custom that they did in those days. They would they would anoint the the body. And uh, I forgot to read verse thirty eight, but re, verse thirty eight is after this Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, besought Pilate that he may take away the body of Jesus, and Pilate gave him leave He came therefore and took the body of Jesus. And then Nicodemus came along with him and brought the the myrrh mixed with aloes and they anointed his body before they placed him in the tomb. And the reason it specifies Joseph of Arimathea here because it wasn't Joseph's dad that that came and anointed him. This was a different Joseph here that, that, that did this. This is one of the disciples of Jesus that... Um, that came and did this. It wasn't one of the twelve disciples that was with him uh, through his teaching, but this was another one that was, that was uh, secretly a disciple of Jesus. And But they anointed his body before they placed him in the tomb. And the significance of that, by anointing his body, they were anointing him to step into his next, his next uh can't think of the word, but he was going from a prophet into the role of a priest whenever he entered into heaven. And I'm going to get to that in a, in a minute or so. But they anointed his body at his death and the gift of the myrrh was because he, he was a prophet. When While he was here on the earth, he was considered a prophet. And Jesus even calls himself a prophet in, in Matthew chapter 13, verse 57. Whenever he had... This was after they refused to accept Him whenever He was in Jerusalem or in Israel. And He said, And they were offended in Him by what He had to say. They were offended by it. They were offended a lot of times by what Jesus had to say in Israel. And He said, A prophet is not without honor save in his own country and in his own house. And Jesus was saying this about Himself because the people didn't want nothing to do with him. They were they refused to accept what he had to say. They wanted to stone him, they wanted to kill him. And this was early on in his ministry here. And they they refused to accept what he had to say and wanted to, and wanted to kill him and wanted to get rid of him. And that was in his own country. That was his very own people that he came to save that refused to accept him and that hated him. And they didn't receive him. And that's why he said that, that a prophet is not without honor, meaning, Meaning anywhere else he was honored, but in his own house or in his own country, he was not honored. Is basically what he was saying here. And, but the main thing I wanted you to see is that he, that he referred to himself as being a prophet. And, and uh, so that's the gift of the myrrh was significant in the fact that he, that he was a prophet. But then we get into the frankincense. And frankincense was used in the tabernacle in the Old Testament. If you was to look in Exodus chapter 30, verse 34 through 37, Moses was commanded by God on Mount Horeb to set up, set up incense inside the tabernacle. There was an altar of, in, of incense that was inside the tabernacle in what they called a holy place. And the holiest of holies was beyond the veil, which was a, a back compartment of the tabernacle, that was kept separated by a, a, the huge veil in between the two, tabern- the two sections of the tabernacle. But in the holy place, where the labor, where the the labor was, and the, show, the table of showbread and the, cam- the candlestick was in this front part of the tabernacle, and that's where the, the altar of incense was. That always had to, any time that the tabernacle was set up in the wilderness, that altar always had to be burning with incense constantly which was a sweet aroma that raised up into the nostrils of God in heaven and so incense and looking at that as being a part of the tabernacle it was often a gift for a priest and that was incense was the frankincense was considered to be a gift to the priest because of the fact that one reason is because it was in the tabernacle and it was always burning inside the tabernacle where the priest would go in and, and uh, they would place the showbread there, and that's where they were going to eat a piece of the showbread to be, to be filled um, so they didn't hunger, and all these different things. And it's really interesting when you study into that about the tabernacle, but the, I'm not going that deep into that tonight on the tabernacle. Maybe one day in a future teaching I'll teach you a little bit on the tabernacle. It's uh, really interesting how it was all set up. But in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 9 through 10, Hebrews chapter 5, verses 9 through 10, we find out this, says, In being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him, called of God and high priest after the order of Melchizedek, of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttered, seeing ye are dull of hearing. I don't think I was supposed to read verse 11, but anyways, verses 9 and 10 here, it says that Jesus was called of God and high priest after the order of Melchizedek. You see, when Jesus, after he died on the cross, and he was placed in the tomb, and then three days later he arose and came out of the tomb, and then after he went and was seen of the people and seen seen of the disciples and everything, and then he ascended into heaven. But the minute he ascended into heaven, he took his blood and sprinkled it on the mercy seat that was atop the ark of the covenant that was in heaven. Because the one that was set on the earth, that was set in the tabernacle and in the temple, was an actual replica of the one, same thing that was in heaven. Which the ark of the covenant that was here is also in heaven. So he placed, it, he sprinkled his blood on the top of the ark of the covenant, which is called the mercy seat whenever he became whenever he got into heaven and he stepped into the role of being the high priest in heaven. Constantly praying for us and, and going before God for us. And uh, you can study all that out, uh, it's in the word. But he was he's uh, he's our propitiation, but he's also he's our advocate with the Father, is what the Bible calls him. It calls him our advocate with the Father. And so when we slip up and do something wrong, he's he's there for us. Um, to plead our case so to speak is one way of looking at it but and turn over to hebrews chapter 9 verse 11 through 15 11 through 15 says but christ being christ being come and high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands That is to say, not of this building, meaning it's not of the earth. It's something that man didn't build himself. This is a a replica here on the earth of what is in heaven. What this is referring to here is the tabernacle in heaven because it's not made with hands or made with our hands. It's made by God. God made it. Neither by the blood of goats and calves, because the blood of goats and calves didn't get sprinkled on the mercy seat in heaven. That's in heaven where God is. It's in God's throne room. It says, "Neither by blood, by the blood of goats and calves, but by His own blood, He entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us." For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of an heifer sprinkled, sprinkling the unclean, sanctifieth to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge our, our conscience from dead works to serve the living God and for this cause he is the mediator of the New Testament, the New Testament meaning his Testament, his testimony that by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the First Testament which were call, which are called, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. Now, one thing I want you to see here about this is the, the testament. When you think about the testament, the if somebody wrote their will here while they were alive, then when they die, that will gets read, and whatever's in that will gets given to the people that it was left to. That's a testament. So, if you think about that, the New Testament was when Jesus died on the cross... He is the testament. So when he get got into heaven and read the will, so he redeemed us back to God, redeemed us from sin back to God. And if you had the blood of Jesus covering your life, if you've repented of your sins and you came and accepted the, the gift of salvation from God and you have that cover in your life, then you are under that testament. You're under the New Testament. And so... That's what this is referring to here. But what it's saying is when he entered into heaven, is when he entered into the the tabernacle of God in heaven and sprinkled his blood on the mercy seat in heaven. So he stepped into the role of being the priest, the high priest. As we read in a couple of scriptures ago, that he's the high priest after the order of Melchizedek. He entered in there and he sprinkled his blood on the mercy seat in heaven to cover our sins. So that's where, when he left the, when he was on the earth, he was in in the role of a prophet. But when he stepped over into heaven, he became the high priest. And that's the significance of the frankincense, the gift of the frankincense. So, up to the point of where we are now, the, the myrrh was given to him in the significance that he was going to walk in the role of a prophet. The the frankincense was given to him and the significance that he was going to walk in the role of a priest. So both of these two things, he came to the earth, born of a Virgin Mary on Christmas Day 2,000 years ago. He walked, whenever he got to come of age, he walked in the role of a prophet while he was here. Then after he died upon the cross and he rose up three days later and he ascended into heaven, he stepped into the role in heaven of a high priest. So what's the significance of the gold? Now this is this is a really awesome part here too. So turn to 1 Kings chapter 10 if you have your Bible. If you don't have your Bible, you can write these scriptures down. You can go back and listen to it again later on. Write the scriptures down if you want or whatever and study it out and see that I'm telling you, I'm giving you what the Bible says here. The, in 1 Kings chapter 10, verses 1 through 2, says and when the queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord, she came to she came to prove him with hard questions. So in other words she came to ask him about ask him questions about God and everything, and ask him questions about the Lord. She was trying to prove that what he was telling her or what she was hearing was to be true. So after she did that then she came to Jerusalem with a very great train, with camels that bear spices, and very much gold, and precious stones. And when she was come to Solomon, she communed with him of all that was in her heart. So she gave him gifts of gold. Gold, back in that day, was considered to be a gift that was worthy to give to a king. So if you came to a king and you wanted to give him a gift the best gift that you could give that king would be gold. And one of the reasons, because back then, gold was what they used to, to do a lot of their trading with and stuff and, their, and buying and selling and everything. And gold was, uh, you know, one of the main things that they traded back in the day. So she brought Solomon, King Solomon, which she assumed to be a worthy king, brought him a, a bunch of gold and a bunch of other things, but mostly gold, As a gift to give to him. So considering that, now think about this. They brought gold to give to Jesus when he was a young child at a house in Bethlehem. Because he was going to step into the role of being king. Now you might ask me, well when is he going to step into the role of being king? Because they looked at him back then called him the king of the Jews. and They were basically mocking him and making fun of him. Because of something that he had said. That he was going to be king. But they took it the wrong way. They didn't understand what he was saying. And, and all that. Because they didn't want to see what he was what he was trying to tell them. They didn't. First of all. They didn't want to accept him. Because of who he professed to be. And it was messing up their way of doing things. In the temples and all that. The scribes and the Pharisees. Having their own way of doing things. And the, the priest of the day. And they didn't want to accept Jesus. So. They put above the cross the king of the Jews making a mockery, uh, making fun of him. They they put a, a purple robe over him after they beat him at the whipping post and everything, making fun of him, putting a crown of thorns on his head. A crown being, you know, a king. They can't, they crowned the king with a crown of thorns, just basically mocking him and making fun of him. But if you turn over to Revelation chapter 19... A lot of you, if you know the Word, you know what I'm telling you tonight, but there might be some of you out there that doesn't know the Word, that doesn't know what the Word of God says. But one day, Jesus is coming back, and He's going to step on the Mount of Olives. And when He does, the Mount of Olives is going to split down the middle, and it's going to part, and there's going to be a great river that's going to pour out of it. It's going to go back in. It's going gonna gonna, to uh, fill the land with water and stuff, and the, the rivers and everything, and, and the Behind him when he does this, when he steps on the Mount of Olives, behind him is gonna be the saints, all the saints dressed in white robes on horseback along with him when he comes back. But down his down his thigh on his thigh and on his vesture is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And that's what it says here in Revelation chapter nineteen verses eleven through sixteen. It says Then I saw heaven opened and behold a white horse. White and clean, and out of his mouth goeth a sharp two-edged goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule, rule them with a rod of iron, and he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings, and Lord of Lords. You see, when Jesus comes back. When He comes back to this earth, He's going to be seen that He is the King of kings. He is the King of all kings. He is the Lord of all lords. He's the one true living God. And when He comes back, and He and he comes back with that written on His thigh and on His vesture, after He after he takes care of the Antichrist and the false prophet and, the, and, and all that and cast, puts the devil in chains and binds him up and throws him in the bottomless pit, for a thousand years, he's going to reign here from the house of David on the earth in Jerusalem for a thousand years. He's going to reign here over the people that was that, that lived through the tribulation. And that's going into even a deeper subject. Maybe one day I'll, I'll do a teaching on that if God leads me to do it. It's too much to get fully into tonight. But when he comes back at that, that time and steps on the Mount of Olives and it splits down the middle, he's going to be ruling for a thousand years on this earth as the king of kings and the lord of lords and so the gift of gold was given to him because he's coming back to be the king of kings and the lord of lords he already is the king of kings and the lord of lords but when he comes back he's going to be ruling on the earth as the king of kings and the lord of lords so these three gifts that was given to him was given to him for a reason to signify these different these different positions that he was going to walk in and that he was going to, the roles he was going to fill of these three positions of prophet, priest, and king. So gold, frankincense, the frankincense, the myrrh, frankincense, and gold. And if you look over in in Hebrews chapter seven, and I'm going to show you here in Hebrews chapter seven where it speaks of this, because if you think about Melchizedek, Melchizedek in the Old Testament, was he was a he was a king, the king of Salem. That Abraham went and paid his tithes to. See, Abraham went and paid his tithes to this man called Melchizedek, who was also a priest. So, he was a priest. He was a king, but he was also a prophet. The only other person in the Bible that was spoken of to have three that was spoken of significant or specifically to have stepped in those positions, all three at one time was Melchizedek. But here's another thing about Melchizedek, which I'm fixing to read to you here. Melchizedek, you don't find him anywhere else other than in the Old Testament in the book of Genesis when Abraham paid his tithes to him. And then you hear about him again in Hebrews, but you don't see nothing about him in any genealogy of him having a beginning or having an ending. And that's what it says right here in Hebrews chapter 7. It says, For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all, paid his tithes to him, first being interpretation king of righteousness, and after that also king of Salem, which is king of peace, without father, without mother, without descendant, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like unto the Son of God, abideth a priest continually. You see, so looking at Melchizedek here, and also verse 4, Now consider how great this man was, unto whom even the patriarch Abraham gave the tenth of the spoils. So thinking about that, Melchizedek, it kind of makes you wonder who Melchizedek was. Uh, some people, I've heard some people say this that this was Jesus, that if this was God that he paid his tithes to. But there are several different ways that I heard about Melchizedek, but what it says here, though, is that Melchizedek stood in all three positions, of prophet, priest, and king, which also Jesus is going to stand in. He's already he's already the prophet while he's here on the earth he's the priest the high priest in heaven in the the courtroom of god in the tabernacle in heaven and he's coming back as king of kings so the significance of the three gifts that the wise men gave to jesus as a young child in bethlehem was given to him because he was going to step in all three of those roles and i think that's really interesting it's something um, something I think is pretty cool when you study into it and look these, because everything in the Bible has a purpose. Everything in the Bible has a, a reason for being in there. And it's just, it's nuggets that we can dig into and study out and just find just how amazing this book is, that it, it was written by God, by men that was inspired by God to write this book, that there's no other book on the earth that's like it. And I, I think this is really interesting. I hope you, I hope you enjoyed this tonight. Uh, it's one of the Christmas specials that I'm doing, um, and I know y'all kind of, y'all see that the background's a little different here. Uh, I'm doing these teachings up here in our home in Georgia, our vacation home, and uh, just to let you know, my lovely wife, Anita, is the one that done the decorations um, and set all this up, and uh, I think it looks really nice. Um, so it's really got some beautiful colors to it, the Christmas colors and everything, and uh, So, I just want to give her credit for that and hope y'all enjoyed this tonight. Um, Sunday morning I'm planning on uh, doing a short video Sunday morning as well, so I hope y'all tune in for that. I know this was put up kind of late tonight, but um, you can go back and watch it, it's just been really busy, so uh, I wanted to make sure I got this up there. So. But I hope you all enjoyed this night. The Prophet, Priest, and King. It's the wise men's gifts. And uh, so, love you guys. God bless. And see you all next time. Thank you for watching.